0: Good morning. How are we doing, Arbor? Glad to have you all here today for what a lot of people is a three-day weekend. For those of you that do have to work tomorrow, I'm sorry. But for us that don't have to work tomorrow, it's kind of nice to have no Sunday night. Oh yeah, there's nothing going on tomorrow. It feels good. I'm excited to be here. My name is Scott. Uh, I've been at Arbor for a while now. Jake and I've been. Uh, in ministry a long time together, and he has me on the regular speaking rotation here. So if this is your first time here, welcome to Arbor. We're thrilled that you're here. If you've been here many other times, I'm sorry you rolled in today and I'm speaking again. (laughs) But, you know, Jake's desperate, and I met the minimum criterion for speaking ability, and so he rolls me through here to share with you from time to time, and I'm always thrilled and excited to do it. And hopefully we'll walk away today feeling a little bit more in tune to the series, Making Disciples, that we're looking at right now. A lot of what you're going to hear today is repetitive, intentionally so. Jake and I have talked about that. We really want to take this time right now in Arbor's almost two-year history here to really help everybody understand the foundation of why we do what we do and how we operate to doing that. And it's important for us that, that language is consistent And that we're doing that with an understanding and mindset together. So you're going to see some slides and notes that are very exactly the same as last week. And some new concepts that I hope to introduce today. So we're talking about making disciples. And making disciples can oftentimes in Christian terms feel like this overwhelming, difficult thing to wrap your brain around. Like this really difficult recipe or something. I am not a cook. I can do really good with mac and cheese and breakfast items. I'm a great breakfast cook. But when it comes to big recipes and spices and all that, I get lost. And some people feel that's what making disciples is. Well, I don't have it all together yet. I'm not an expert cook. Making disciples is kind of like making Rice Krispie Treats. It's pretty simple, but boy, is it yummy. Rice Krispie Treats are one of my favorite snacks. I, I love them. In fact, in preparing the sermon and thinking about Rice Krispie Treats, I went to the store and I got some butter. Got some marshmallows, got some Krispies, and I actually made yesterday Rice Krispie Treats. And I was going to use them as an analogy today, but I hate to say that throughout the entire day, I ate an entire pan. <laughs> I'm not proud to say it. I'm trying to suck it in a little bit today. I was feeling the price by about 11 o'clock at night as there was that last sliver, and I'm like, yeah, why not? Little <laughs> bedtime snack right there. My daughter comes home. Where's the Rice Krispie Treats? I have no idea. A band of teenage boys ran by today and they ate them all or something. But Rice crispy Treats are beautiful. And like making disciples, it's not as complex as we make it out to be. Butter, marshmallows, put the crispies in there. It can get sticky at times. You put them in a pan, they cool off. I want to try to make this concept of making disciples like making Rice Krispie Treats. It's not as difficult as you think. There's some key ingredients But boy, is it tasty, and do they go a long way when you do it right. So let's pray quickly. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to look in your scripture. I thank you for the opportunity to find out what you have to tell us. I pray that you would move me out of the way, that you would be speaking here today, Lord. Give us ears that want to hear, hearts that want to listen, hands and feet that want to put into action what we learn today, Jesus. In your name, amen. We start with what we call the Great Commission in Christian terms. It was Jesus' last words to his disciples, his last pep talk. I'm leaving, here's what you need to know, concise statement. And we're going to look at it through the scripture passage of Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Great Commission. Many sermons have been preached on this. I will not try to be as eloquent as some of those famous theologians. It really boils down to go and make We at Arbor have really dialed this down to what does making disciples mean? Helping anyone and everyone to find and follow Jesus. Helping anyone and everyone to find and follow Jesus. Jake did a great job laying that foundation last week and introducing what that find and follow Jesus means. And I want you to understand something. If you are here today and you are a believer, This idea of finding and following Jesus can get complicated in the theology and the conversations and the religion of what we call Christianity. Because in the essence, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. And what I hope to do today is demystify this part that you are not capable of finding and following. Because if you are a believer in Jesus, you're already equipped. Look at the very first part of the Great Commission. He says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So if it's given to Jesus, and you put your faith in Jesus, that authority and power is now given to you. You are fully equipped. The moment you step into relationship with Jesus, you are fully equipped. You have everything you need to go and make disciples. You have everything you need to go find, and everything you need to follow. And hopefully we can break that down a little bit today. The first part of find and follow, helping everyone find and follow Jesus, we define find as go after anyone and everyone. Go after anyone and everyone. It is desperate times that we live in. There'll be desperate times that people live in after us because the world is at battle against an enemy who has come to seek, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give us life and fulfillment of life after that. And in our effort to find, I want to look at the word find and break it down into two components today. Because I think there's two types of finding that we have to be prepared for. The first part of find I want to look at is some people come find you. Some people come find you. And sometimes you don't have a choice in that. And sometimes the people that find you make you a bit awkward, a bit uncomfortable. You weren't prepared for that. But as a disciple, you need to be accepting and welcoming and loving. Because in finding the part of doing that, some people come find you. I'd like to look at the story of Zacchaeus. If you grew up going to Sunday school in the 70s or 80s with flannel graph materials like I did, any believers out there in flamograph grew up with that? You would know that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as say I will not go on with this song and bore you any further, but I bet you, in fact, I know you can, you can YouTube that song and sing right along with those quite hysterical lyrics of Zacchaeus who went down in infamy as a wee little man, which I do not think is politically correct. In fact, I know it's not. And yet there we were in the 70s and 80s singing those songs. We are going to look to the scripture for the story of Zacchaeus. So I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. I want you to stop there. It's really important to catch some terminology. He was in Jericho, passing through. He had no intention of stopping and staying. He was just going to pass on through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was well. Pause again. Context. Jews hated tax collectors. Specifically, Jewish tax collectors. Because the taxes being collected were by the Roman government that the Jews saw as something that needed to be overthrown to usher in the kingdom of God and the Messiah again. Then, if a Jewish person took a job with the Roman government... That was a little bit questionable. But if you took a job with the Roman government as a tax collector and were taking money from me and tax collectors were known to skim because that's how they made their living, you were, just, you were not liked at all. You were the pariah of the neighborhood. You were seen as a sellout. You had, re, you, you had re walked away from the commandments. You had walked away from the Jewish faith. And you were enabling and empowering the very government that was holding you down. So Zacchaeus was not a well-liked man, he was a well-known man. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, see, they did not say wee little man there, they said he was short, I don't know if he was Russell Wilson short, Doug Flutie short, Garrett short, I don't know what he was. <laughs> that was not in my notes, that just, <laughs> forgive me, that just came right out of me, it just, I, so nat- just so naturally, all right? And you were so flattering of me this morning with my new shoes and everything, and I, yeah. will you forgive me? You. Okay, okay. Right, <laughs> Forgiveness can take times. At least I offered it. Because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. I, I just picture this grown man, this wealthy tax collector in his best garbs, climbing a tree. Right. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, "Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today." Remember, he was just going to pass through. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly, and all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has, gone to the guest, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to, my house, to, come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to speak and to save the lost." Some people come find you. Zacchaeus went to find Jesus. Jesus paused his day, his agenda, his plans, and you could argue theologically in the mind of Jesus, he knew it was going to happen. Play with my analogy and understanding of the story here. He paused to accept a person that society was not accepting to spend time with, to talk to, share the message with. And it was immediate. Come down immediately. This can't wait. I believe that in our discipleship making, we've lost the immediacy of what needs to be done and we want to schedule it on Wednesday nights from seven to 8.30. And people will come find us during my schedule. People will come find me during my open times. People will come find me on Sunday mornings. People will come find me when I've set it up on Mondays over here is where we meet. See, the part of being a disciple, and when you go, you're going every day, every moment. You are open to people. You are finding people. We are on a rescue mission the minute you enter a relationship with Jesus to rescue the lost. And the first part of find is some people come find you, and my question to you is when they come find you, what will they find? Will they find acceptance? Will they find a caring heart? Will they find empathy? Will they find compassion? But most importantly, will they find the life-changing love of Jesus? Because that's what finding is about. And here in this story, an unwanted, hated tax collector climbed a tree, and Jesus spent time with him and transformed his life. That's what finding is about. You don't need to have theology down. You don't have to have some big message prepared. You need to have the love of Jesus to share with others. I'm going to talk about that a little bit more at the end. But there's a second part of finding that I want to talk about today. Besides some people come finding you, some people you go find. Some people you go find. Jesus puts it on your heart. You've heard somebody's story you know you need to talk to them about something. And there's a time and a place to go find it. I want to t- use an example of the scriptures about the Samaritan woman. Again, some context. The Samaritans were seen as, another politically incorrect term, half-breeds. They were Jews that had married with a Tribes around them, and they become the Samaritans and they were not liked. In fact, the where Samaria sat, you could not get from north to south or south to north without going through Samaria, but the Jews hated the Samaritans so much, they wouldn't go through Samaria; they would go over it, even if it meant an extra day's travel. They had nothing to do with the Samaritans. And vice versa, in retribution, the Samaritans had nothing to do with the Jews. They hated each other. Worshiping supposedly the same Jewish God, but in different manners. So we're going to look at a passage here out of John chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. And at home, I want you to read the whole story. I'm going to highlight some key parts here. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gathering, gaining, and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Remember, there is the Jewish path of going around Samaria to get there, which everybody traveled. If you were a Jew, you did not go through Samaria. Now, he had to go through Samaria. I want you to underline or highlight that if you've got a Bible today. Look at the emphasis there. He had to go through Samaria. That is not an external thing that there's no other road to go. That was an internal thing. And we're going to learn why here in a moment. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone to the town to buy food. Let's pause. There's a lot to unpack here and I'm not going to spend a lot of time because there's some amazing sermons on the Samaritan woman and Jesus. But I want to unpack a few key key things here. Jesus did something with his disciples that they were very uncomfortable to do. He took them through Samaria. Jesus knew he had to do that because part of the commission was eventually for the disciples to go into the uttermost parts of the earth to the Gentiles, the uncircumcised, the unchosen. And so if he was going to ask his disciples to do that, he had to do it himself. Jesus is never going to ask us to do anything he didn't do himself. So he had to take his disciples into territory where they were not comfortable. And then he sent them on their own without him into town to try to buy food. And while he did that, he sat by a well and when a Samaritan woman came and asked, and came up, he asked her for water, which was another faux pas. You don't ask women to get water for you out of the well, especially if you're a Jewish man and it's a Samaritan woman. He's laying foundation here for us to understand that when we go find people, we didn't have no boundaries on that. Let's read further. The Samaritan woman said to him, "You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans." Jesus answered her, "If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water." Sometimes you go find but you know what the problem is we've done in our society? We go find the people we're comfortable with. Sundays are still the most segregated day in the world. We go to find people that look like us, think like us, act like us, like the same things as us, believe similar things as us, that's who we're comfortable going to. And what Jesus says is if you're gonna be a disciple and you're gonna go make disciples, you need to go find people that are different than you get out of your comfort zone, get uncomfortable, do the daring. And I don't know how you get that vision from God for you. But it is time we look beyond our comfortable circles that we've made on Sunday mornings to go into the world and find. And Jesus demonstrated that to his disciples. And when this woman encountered Jesus, her life was changed. The story goes on. She was not a good woman. She had lived a sordid tale of a life, but her life was transformed, and she went immediately and brought people back to Jesus because that's the overwhelming power of Jesus in people's lives. And I feel sometimes we've lost that. We need, all right, to go find. Sometimes people come find you, and sometimes you need to go find are you seeking? Are you finding? Are you on a rescue mission for Jesus? Because that's why we're here. That was the last thing he said, go and make disciples. There's an intentionality about it. Now, the other part that is in tandem, we can't be finders if we're not followers because you can only be a good rescuer if you stay up to date on all the rescuing techniques. I've been on search and rescue in previous years of my life. And it required training, going back to training, going back to this, getting updated, checking your gear, making sure the team you worked with understood how we were doing things. It was very regimented. And if you're going to be a finder of Jesus, you've got to be a follower and stay up to date with your relationship in Jesus. But the thing about following Jesus, it's not about just attending church from time to time. It's not about going to a Christian conference or listening to praise music and getting all excited. There is a following that requires, as we identified last week, obey everything he did and said. There's a discipline to it. Obey everything he did and said. Now, I'm a parent. I would love it if I could just have that plaque in my house. Obey everything I say, not the do part. Just obey everything I say. It's the doing part, everything he did, because Jesus was perfect. If only it was that easy. Okay, let's just walk out of here and all obey Jesus. That's much easier said than done. I can't even do that right. I mess up all the time. Because we are all sinners, saved by grace. So let's look at what this obey, all right? everything he said and did means. And you have to understand the concept of disciples. So let's look at this quickly. I'm gonna read some notes here because I wanna get this correctly because this is from a great scholar. When a rabbi asked someone to follow him, it was an incredible honor. This invitation was an offer of unlimited access to the rabbi, a chance to become a perpetual student. It It not only gave the disciple complete access to ask the teacher any probing questions, but they lived alongside the rabbi, experienced firsthand how the scripture should be lived out. Becoming a disciple of a rabbi required an unwavering commitment to submit to the rabbi's authority, but it also meant that every day was full of opportunity to learn new things about God. Disciples went where their rabbi went. They slept where their rabbi slept. They ate what their rabbi ate, and larger, they shared the rabbi's passions and beliefs. And when the disciples were asked by Jesus, follow me, this is the relationship they entered into with Jesus because they saw him as a rabbi. And then somewhere along their journey, they began to see Jesus as more as a rabbi and more as a redeemer. And eventually they saw the redeemer as the Messiah redeemer and their savior. But it's that discipleship mindset that we need to walk alongside Jesus to be a follower. Because if you're not following Jesus, you can't be a true finder. And you're only as good at finding people as you are at following Jesus. And I know in my life, when one is weak, it's usually because I'm not following, as I should. I'm not asking God those hard questions. I'm not having conversations. I believe that we've lost the essence of finding because we've watered down what it meant to follow. So let's look at what it means to follow Jesus. Part one, declare Jesus as Lord. If you are here today and you don't understand that concept, let me break it down very simply for you. Everybody in this room cannot get to heaven on our own. We are broken, sinful people. Jesus came and gave a way to heaven through his death and resurrection. It's as simple as that, and yet we make it more convoluted and confusing. In Romans ten nine we read this If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Savior, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the first step in becoming a follower of Jesus. You believe what he said, you accept him in your life, and you enter into a relationship, not a religion, not a list of do's and don'ts, because you know what a lot of religions are? There are a lot of rules and restrictions with no love, and that always leads to rebellion. Remember this, rules without love leads to rebellion. Does God have rules for our life? Yes, but they're they're centered and captured in love, and that leads to relationship. Jesus wants you to be a follower. Have you given your life to him? If you haven't done that, that is the most important thing you take out of here today because it doesn't matter who you are. Jesus wants you. Second part, obey his teachings. While we can't physically follow Jesus like the disciples did today, we can follow him spiritually based on what he said and what we can read about him. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 32, we read this. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Obey his teachings. Obedience to us feels restrictive, doesn't it? I remember telling my kids all the time, if you would just obey what I'm saying, you'd have a lot more freedom. I said that a lot more when they became teenagers. Just do what I say, and you'll actually have a lot more permission to go do things. But every time you fight me and break the rules and don't do the stuff, I have to create more boundaries. I'm telling you that obeying Christ's teachings equals freedom and liberty that you've never experienced. It's kind of like skydiving. Has anybody in here been skydiving? First time I went skydiving, you go tandem jumping, which is a good thing. They don't just randomly throw you out of an airplane and say, good luck. But there's all these rules and restrictions and safety techniques that you put on and you're strapped to somebody that knows what they're doing. And then when you get out of that plane and you're falling, it's the sense of freedom like nothing before. And if you continue to, you can earn your way to be doing that on your own through hours and practice. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus. His skydiving lessons, he's with you at all times. It's like a tandem. And you experience this freedom this enthusiasm, this fulfillment in life that you can't have without him. Does that mean there aren't hard times, that there aren't struggles, there isn't sadness, there isn't trauma, no. But there's a promise that if you obey me, I'm in tandem with you. The last part of following Jesus I wanna talk about today is find your place in the body of Christ. Declare him as Lord. Obey his teachings and then find your part, find your place in the body of Christ because you can't do this alone, folks. I am convinced that the number one tool of the enemy is to isolate, divide and conquer. To get you to believe that what is happening to you is only happening to you. That the sin you're struggling with is only your struggle. That nobody is as messed up as you. Man, I, I I have told myself that many times in my life and then I find out there's just as many messed up people as I am. I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse, but I found it out. (laughs) We lived in a messed up world. Spirituality, life with Jesus is messy. So we can't go it alone. Paul and the apostles write about this all together and Paul specifically talks about it in his first letter to the church of Corinth. How they can't function as individuals, but as together. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. You bring something unique and gifted to Arbor, to the body of Christ. What are you doing with it? your trauma, your sadness, your joy, your experience, your story will speak into somebody else's life. You have to become a part of the team. Because in isolation, it helps nobody. If we read further in in, in 1 Corinthians, it says this, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there is many parts, but one body. Folks, we are better together. We can accomplish more together than we ever could on our than we ever could alone. You were meant for relationship and community. So at Arbor, we try to do that. through are small groups. We're launching them. I think there's papers on your chairs today and out back that you can sign up for a small group. Start a small group. Join a small group. Get part of community. Why? Because you're not built to do disciple making and seeking and finding and following alone. Jesus had many followers. He narrowed it down to 12. He had a tribe. He had a family. He had a group that he leaned on and depended on. The disciples did not go it alone. Paul had partners. Peter had partners. They all had community. Small groups is how at Arbor we do community, how we do the body of Christ. I urge you, find a small group to join and build the process of understanding who you are in Christ. We circle back around to the Great Commission again. Making disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I go back to what I use in education called the golden circle. Why, how, and what? If you don't know the why, then you're not going to buy into this. Why do we make disciples because we are all fallen sinners in need of a savior for we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life if you call upon the name of the Lord you will be saved that's the message of Jesus That is why we make disciples. That is why Jesus said go. And that is why Jesus himself came and died for us. To rescue the lost. How do we do this? We must go find. We go. We must follow. We must obey. If we're not going to the world and we're not obeying Jesus, we're just like a cesspool of spirituality. And nothing can grow in it. What does this look like for us at Arbor? On Sundays we gather as a body of believers to worship God, to learn, to get equipped. It's a vertical experience and encounter with Jesus our Savior for you. The rest of the week, we gather in small groups, growing as a body of believers together, as a family, as disciples. What I'm hopeful for you is in this next year at Arbor, you will continue to gather with us on Sundays and you will continue to gather together in small groups because that is the way that we can make disciples. That is the way we find and follow. Let's pray.